Welcome to the Rock Brook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everybody. I want to publicly say happy Father's Day to my dad. I don't receive it lightly, the blessing it is to have a great earthly father, one who loves Christ, loves his family. Also so thankful for all the spiritual fathers uh, in this house, in this church. One of the dreams of this church is that it would have godly men in it. And God has done immeasurably more uh, than we could have ever thought. And I'm so grateful for your examples of godliness and your fortitude, your humor, your strength. Give me a guy that knows how to laugh. And uh, I just love our church and uh, just love the godly character and men in it. We're in the midst of a great summer at Rockbrook. We've had students on uh, two great service trips so far. We're gearing up for serve day. We've got another uh, kids small group camp and another uh, service trip to go. And in our weekend services, both here and in Rockbrook for kids, we're doing a deep dive into the book of Psalms, which is an Old Testament book of songs. Psalm means sacred song. And uh, I've enjoyed listening to all the songs that you guys uh, wrote on the communication card or emailed me or texted me this week of songs that are meaningful to you. And some of the context just brought me to tears. You'd say, this psalm got me through cancer. This psalm got me through my husband's cancer. This song carried me through a dark season in life. And it's just so so powerful. Today we're going to be looking at a psalm that C.S. Lewis said, I take this to be the greatest poem in the psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. This song is all about how God communicates with us. When we think about God communicating, the theological word for God communicating is called revelation. It's a simple word. If you're taking notes, just write it in. Revelation means the revealing of something. When someone goes, oh, I've had a revelation, what they're saying is they came to realize something or someone revealed something to them that they did not previously know. God communicating is a revelation because anytime we hear from God, things about who he is are revealed to us. He becomes more known as he communicates. The curtain is drawn back a little bit more on who he is. Today, we're going to see two different kinds of revelation, two different ways in which God speaks. This song was written by an ancient Israelite king. His name is David, and we're looking today at Psalm 19. At the start of this song, uh, we have a little description of its purpose. It was written for the director of music, so this was meant to be a worship song. While David does discuss theology in the psalm, this was not written to be a theological research paper, okay? The, the book of Psalms is not a textbook, but it was meant to teach. It was written for a song. This is not a classroom, but we learn from it, and its purpose was to be a song for God's holy people. Songs, as we talked about last week, are a brilliant way to teach things in ways that they stick. They're sticky ways to teach. And David is using poetic language to teach a truth to the Israelite people, to the people of God. In Psalm 19, one through six, it says, the heavens 
declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Now David is saying that the heavens, and here it's not talking about the heaven, it's talking about the skies, the, the, the stars, the moon, celestial bodies, that they're talking to us. What are they talking to us about? They're talking to us about God's glory, about God's accomplishments. He's setting the scene about it all being about God's revelation. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They are relentlessly talking, revealing knowledge about God. As he starts this up, he's painting a picture of all this stuff in the sky is screaming at the top of its lungs. You could grab a telescope, look out into the stuff in the sky. You would see it's looking back at you, screaming at you about God's glory. That's the picture we get here. And look at what comes next. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. The heavens talk about and point to God. What he's doing is poetically teaching us that it's all about God's revelation. This is what great worship songs should do. That's what great songs uh, we sing here do. You could take the songs we sing, write out the lyrics, think them through, profound truths from poetic language can be mined for their depths. They don't have to sound profound to be profound. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. It's a simple statement of truth that we all can mine and learn from. What can we glean from from this, what we're looking at today? We talk about God's revelation, talking about it in two distinct categories. One of them is called general revelation. As we look at the world around us, What it reveals is not something in the form of words. You weren't told anything factual about looking at, when looking at the sky. The stars are not going to arrange themselves in a way that it spells out God is real. But when we look at the sky, the moon, the stars, they're implying something that we all see. And David, the author, is making this point. He goes on to make an illustration about this, but instead of saying something direct, like, the power and consistency in our universe indicates that God is supremely faithful and powerful. He, he, no, he describes the sun and the sky as an illustration of something powerful, something faithful, something that you, when you look at it, you get a glimpse of God's character. He says, in the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Do do you see the sun is declaring God through a daily victory lap across the sky, like a runner crossing a finish line. It's so powerful and majestic. Its very existence, the qualities tell us something about God. Now, do not read too much into the fact that he's talking about the sun here. This could be the ocean. This could be the mountains. He chose the sky because it's something that everyone on planet Earth sees uh, from everywhere. 
The point isn't a specific part of creation. The point is not to worship the sun or think too much of it. Uh, the, the point is that it's telling us something about God. It has no speech, it has no words, but its voice is heard throughout the world. What is general revelation? If you're taking notes, it's God's revelation to all people that he exists by means of the things he has made. It's God's revelation to all people that he exists by means of the things he has made. We see the same point made by the Apostle Paul uh, when he wrote to the Romans, Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, meaning his eternal power, divine nature, his invisible qualities have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God's existence and power have been seen clearly through created things. What happens, though, is that creation creates a gap. When we look at the world around us, it's meant to make us scratch our head. It's meant to make us think, to stand in awe. We're supposed to wonder, how did this happen? The elegance, the complexity, the power, it's intended to imply that there is a creator. A, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a larger tent set up in between the buildings for our birthday weekend. You remember that, the ice cream truck parked next to it and we gave away ice cream? No one remembers that, that was fun. No, one person's like, yeah, I remember that. Uh, and uh, we had this tent, big tent set up. We thought that, that week that we'd decide to leave it up for several weeks and we'd have a few more things we could use it for. And it's actually technically a carport, not a tent. So we thought, well, it's meant to stay up all the time, so we'll just leave it up for, for a few weeks. So we'd, then we'd gotten to Friday. This was two Fridays ago from now. And a storm starts coming in. And earlier that day, it's hot, the sun was beating down, carport's just sitting there, so I parked my car under it to get it in the shade. Later in the day, I'm looking out the window, storm's blowing in. I thought, oh, I'll see how the carport does in the storm. As I'm looking out there, a big gust of wind comes in and picks up the carport just enough that the legs that weren't tied to weights uh, come disconnected and slide out and clang onto the ground. I'm looking from the window and go, ah, and run down the steps and go out and get in my car and I'm pulling it out of the thing. As I'm pulling it out of the carport, another gust of wind moves the thing about a foot. So I move my car out, I call my friend Luke Bartley, helps with the facilities here. I, he set up the tent, I said, hey man, we're losing the carport. And he goes, oh really? And he says, I'm on my, way, on my way, I'll be there in two minutes. So he pulls up, standing there holding the carport, he pulls up and uh, immediately his hat blows off and we're in the wind and we start trying to take this thing down, but it's the wind's blowing so hard that all the cordage and bungees are really tight on this thing, so it's hard to get it all disconnected. We disconnect it from the weights. We get about half of the tarp off the top of it taken off. It flaps up like a sail, grabs the whole carport, and flips it on top of the awning in between these buildings. <laughs> then the metal poles start coming off, 
and it's raining metal poles, just clang, 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 clang. And we're holding on to this thing. We're trying to get this thing down. All the pipes come attached. We, we managed to pull this sail, I mean tarp down, and we're getting it wadded up and pulling this thing in. We get it into a big wad. We drag it inside, pull it in these doors, set it down. And Luke says, that's the fastest we ever got that down before. <laughs> Here's my point. How often do you get caught in a storm or go visit a place like the ocean or the Rocky Mountains or Niagara Falls or the Grand Canyon and stand there and say to yourself, I think this is all about me. I think this is all about us. I think we're kind of a big deal. I think I'm kind of a big deal. No, any thoughtful person who takes time to explore the world in which we live is forced to grapple with the thought, who's behind all this? Who could pull this off? Who could do this? Even those who don't believe God is behind our universe, they talk about science with a sense of awe and wonder and amazement. Because no matter how you think the world got here, everyone thinks it's amazing and humbling. Creation humbles us. Creation overwhelms us. And once we, we got everything inside from that storm, I was laughing so hard all the way through that thing. I just thought it was hilarious. And I drove away, I'm like, well, that's humbling. That's humbling. Creation forces us to create a category in our mind for something bigger than the human race. We could not possibly produce that magnificence by ourselves. We know that. Creation is humbling. It's humbling when you summit a mountain and you want to stand on the top rock on a mountain and the wind keeps blowing you off to where you can't even stand there. My dad showed me a video about Everest and you get to the top and people who climb Everest can't even be up there for more than 15 minutes at a time or they would die. It's humbling. Creation humbles us. So it's important to know that general revelation doesn't close any gaps. Talking, God is talking through the world around us, but we can't fully understand him. So you, you're without excuse, the Apostle Paul says, meaning you could look at the sky, you could look at a plant growing in the ground and discern from that that there is a creator. You could discern from that there is something beyond yourself, something bigger going on, that there is a divine creator and intelligent designer, that anyone can see that and know that. But you don't look at a plant growing from the ground and know from that that God loves me, that Jesus died for my sins. The gap here is a massive setup for the next part of this psalm. And, and this time, instead of highlighting the words that have to do with speaking or talking, I'll be highlighting different words that have something else in common. He goes on in verse 9, or verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, 
enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. He went from talking about the Son to God's commands, decrees, and laws. How are they connected? The connection between these two sections is that they are both describing how God communicates with us. Creation is God's way of speaking through general revelation. And now he's introducing the second form of God revealing himself, and that's called special revelation. The key to special revelation is what all those highlighted words have in common. Laws, statutes, precepts, commands, decrees. These are all words that require a written or verbal communication of content. Like communication of actual bits of information. Statutes, laws, commands. These are words that communicate ideas, concepts, boundaries. And that's why these are categorized into two different forms of revelation. David, the author here, clearly views God's word as something that is very good and very powerful. Now, in all of this, what's he referencing right here? He's referencing the first five books of the Bible. Genesis through Deuteronomy called the Pentateuch or the law. These books are the written account of how God revealed himself to the world up until that point. And think about this, general revelation created a gap, declaring God's glory of his existence, but no words. God did not just reveal, him, reveal himself in a vague way and then leave it at that. He also got super clear and spoke actual words that they could actually understand. Let's look at an example of that uh, from one of the first five books of the Bible. This is a passage that David would have known, even had memorized. It's a section where God reveals himself and he is speaking to one of the leaders of the Israelite people whose name is Moses. And he, God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This is God revealing himself in actual, understandable words about the nature of who he is. This is special revelation. And a definition of special revelation would be this. It's God's revelation of himself in words through his word. He's revealing himself in terms that are factual and understandable. Unlike with general revelation, where we're left with a lot of distinct impressions but no definitive fact, with special revelation, the gap is closed. If creation creates a gap, the Bible closes the gap. If, if you're taking notes, write that in. The Bible closes the gap. Rather than staring at the world and wondering what could be so amazing or how it could be so amazing, special revelation allows you to know that the God of the Bible is the one who made the world. He was willing to come to earth for the sins of the world and buy us back and redeem us. These words, the word of God, it's so powerful, so beautiful. David just starts expressing his gratitude. He, he goes on and he says, they are much more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. 
By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. If you gave this guy a choice between cash money and the Bible, he's taking the Bible every time. He wanted God's word and revelation more than he wanted money, more than he wanted anything that his lifestyle could give him. Why? Because look at what this text says that the word of God gives. I I pulled this straight out of the text. These are the things that it says that it gives in Psalm 19. This is what the word of God does. He says it refreshes your soul, makes you wise, gives you joy, lights your way, causes you to endure, warns and rewards you. That's what I want. That's what I need. That's more precious than gold. That's sweeter than honey. This is what God gives to us. I know that's what you want. That's what you need. That, that's what we want out of life. And we wish everyone could experience it, don't we? I heard on the radio this week a lady say that she likes to live life with meaning and purpose, but there just isn't enough reasons to live like that all the time. And I thought, yes, there is. Yes, there is. There are eternal reasons. I have them. God has given them to me. God could give them to you. I was talking with a friend of mine who is an evolutionist and I asked him one of my favorite questions to ask when talking about faith or talking about creation. I asked, where do you think the universe comes from? Where do you think the universe came from? And he said, well, no one really has an answer to where the universe came from. I said, yes. (laughs) What, What do you mean no one has an answer for that? Yes. I have an answer for that because God has an answer for that. God has revealed the answer to that. God has given us the answer to that. You don't have to live in the gap. You don't have to look at it and say no one knows. God has filled the gap. God has filled the gaps that are left in our life and the world. He refreshes our soul. He makes us wise. He gives us joy. He lights our way. He causes us to endure. He warns us and rewards us. The Bible closes those gaps. Friend, there are days when I finish reading my Bible and I, I just hug it close to me like this. There are days when I have finished reading my Bible and I kiss my Bible. So grateful. Where would we be without the word of God? And without the word of God, how would we know that the word became flesh and dwelt among us? How would we know the greatest revelation of all, Christ Jesus, our Lord? And then the final portion of the song, David's just overwhelmed by it. He starts a prayer to God. He just admits his own brokenness. He says, I need your word, God. I need you to overcome my sin. Verse 12, he says, but who, who could discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Then he closes this psalm 
which has been all about God's words. And this is David's response to it. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. My goodness, what a song. And here's my question. Same question as last week. That is, where does this song need to be sung in your life? Where does this song need to be sung in your life? And I have two suggestions based on these two revelations. I would suggest that we get out in his world. Watch a sunrise, watch a sunset, take a walk, take a hike, go to the park, go to the mountains, go to the beach, take a nap in a hammock, stand on top of the Liberty Memorial, float in a pool, Think about how crazy it is that fluids interact with solids, that surface tension allows bugs to walk across the water. Look up at night, get a telescope, look at some stars, grab a microscope, study anaerobic cellular respiration. I had to look up a microscope word for you microscope people. Look at your, look out your window. Take down a carport in a storm. Like, Turn off the TV and watch a summer storm blow through. And let that draw you in to be in awe of God. Get out in the world. He is revealing something to you there. And one more response. Get in his word. Read God's special revelation in his general revelation. Be captured that the God who made everything in the world knows your name. And was willing to come to earth. The earth that he made to take the punishment you deserve so that you could be part of his family, all while holding the universe together. Uh, We gave you a 40-day reading plan in the Psalms if you want to experience that this summer. His word is full of truths, more glorious than any sunset, than any scenery. Get out in his world. Get in his word. For a closing prayer today, uh, I just want to read this psalm and Read it as our prayer back to God. And with it being Father's Day, uh, I'm going to read it from my grandfather, Ivan Nelson's Bible. And uh, this is his Bible full of bookmarks and dog ears and underlines and duct tape. And and it's just a privilege to uh, read from it this weekend and to see that he has the last line of this underlined. Would you bow your head with me, please? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit until the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and right, righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and shall be, in, shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.